Chapter 18 of Legends of Saints and Sinners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Danielle Fedrigo, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Legends of Saints and Sinners by Douglas Hyde. The Friars of Rillar. Preface. There is scarcely another country in Europe, outside perhaps of a part of Switzerland and the Tyrol, in which there is the same veneration for purity and female chastity as in the Irish-speaking provinces of Ireland. In the pathetic and well-known song which begins Tame Sinte Ardo Thuamba, I am stretched upon thy tomb, the man who was in love with the maiden who had died says, The priest and the friars wear faces of gloom at me loving a maiden, and she cold in her tomb. I would lie on your graveside to shield you from rain. This the thought of you there, love, has numbed me with pain. When my people are thinking that I am asleep, it is on your cold grave, love, my vigil I keep. With desire I pine, and my bosom is torn. You are mine, you are mine, from your childhood, my storine. But the mourner is not left entirely without comfort when he remembers the purity of her who had died. You remember the night neath the thorn of the world, when the heavens were freezing and all things were cold. Now thanks be to Jesus, no tempter came o'er you, and your maidenhood's crown is a beacon before you. In the story about St. Peter, we saw how our Lord is made to say that the old drunkard, who had kept a woman from evil, had done more good than the friars themselves. The following story seems to contain the same moral. It shows how it was not in the power of anything except virginity itself to banish the foul and evil spirit which had invaded the peace of the friars. There is a certain humor in the way in which the laziness, drunkenness, and carelessness of the piper are portrayed, for by this is thrown into better relief the excellence of the only good deed he had performed. The monastery of the friars is on the brink of the lake called Urlar, Flor, or Lar on a map. Arlar, slaughter site, suggested in the text, is only folk etymology. The remains are still to be seen, just inside the borders of the county Roscommon, and on the brink of the county Mayo. The monastery was built by Edward Costello and his wife Finula, a daughter of the O'Connor Don, for the Dominican friars, and was dedicated to St. Thomas. The Dominicans settled in it about the year 1430. On the dissolution of the monasteries, it was granted to Lord Dillon, and it has now, with the rest of his enormous property, been bought by the congested district's board, and distributed amongst the tenants. We are told that there was once a town there, but there is now no trace of it. The monastery, being in such a retired spot, was set aside for the reception of novices throughout Connacht. The pattern here spoken of, i.e. the gathering, held in honor of the patron saint, used to take place on the 4th of August, St. Dominic's Day. The place is four or five miles from the town of Kilkelly, and Tavron, or Tauron, where the piper came from, is a townland between Balgardine and Lou Eret not very far from Rillar. For the original, see Religious Songs of Connacht. The Story In times long ago, there was a house of friars on the brink of Loch Rillar, but there is nothing in it now except the old walls, with the water of the lake beating up against them every day in the year that the wind bees blowing from the south. Whilst friars were living in that house, there was happiness in Ireland, and many is the youth who got good instructions from the friars in that house, who is now a saint in heaven. It was the custom of the people of the villages to gather one day in the year to a pattern, in the place where there used to be fighting and great slaughter, when the firbolgs were in Ireland. But the friars used to be amongst the young people to give them a good example and to keep them from fighting and quarreling. There used to be pipers, fiddlers, harpers, and bards at the pattern, along with trump players and music horns. Young and old used to be gathered there, and there used to be songs, music, dancing, and sport amongst them. But there was a change to come, and it came heavy. Some evil spirit found out its way to Loch Urlar. It came at first in the shape of a black boar with tusks as long as a pike and as sharp as the point of a needle. One day the friars went out to walk on the brink of the lake. 
there was a chair cut out of the rock about twenty feet from the brink. And what should they see seated in the chair but the big black boar? They did not know what was in it. Some of them said that it was a great water dog that was in it, but they were not long in doubt about it, for it let a screech out of it that was heard seven miles on each side of it. It rose up then on its hind feet, and was there screeching and dancing for a couple of hours. Then it leaped into the water, and no sooner did it do that than there rose an awful storm which swept the roof off the friar's house, and off every other house within seven miles of the place. Furious waves rose upon the lake, which sent the water twenty feet up into the air. Then came the lightning and the thunder, and everybody thought that it was the end of the world that was in it. There was such a great darkness that a person could not see his own hand if he were to put it out before him. The friars went in and fell to saying prayers, but it was not long till they had company. The great black boar came in, opened its mouth, and cast out of it a litter of bottoms. These began on the instant running backwards and forwards and screeching as loud as if there were the seven deaths on them with the hunger. There was fear and astonishment on the friars, and they did not know what they ought to do. The abbot came forward and desired them to bring him holy water. They did so, and as soon as he sprinkled a drop of it on the boar and on the bottoms, they went out in a blaze of fire, sweeping part of the side wall with them into the lake. A thousand thanks to God, said the father abbot. The devil is gone from us. But my grief, he did not go far. When the darkness departed, they went to the brink of the lake, and they saw the black boar sitting in the stone chair that was cut out in the rock. Get me my curic, said the father abbot, and I'll banish the thief. They got him the curic and holy water, and two of them went into the curic with him. But as soon as they came near to the black boar, he leaped into the water. The storm rose, and the furious waves, and the curic and the three who were in it were thrown high up upon the land with broken bones. They sent for a doctor and for the bishop, and when they told the story to the bishop, he said, there's a limb of the devil in the shape of a friar amongst you, but I'll find him out without delay. Then he ordered them all to come forward, and when they came he called out the name of every friar, and according as each answered, he was put on one side. But when he called out the name of Friar Lucas, he was not to be found. He sent a messenger for him, but could get no account of him. At last the friar they were seeking for came to the door, flung down a cross that he had around his neck, smote his foot on it, and burst into a great laugh, turned on his heel and into the lake. When he came as far as the chair on the rock, he sat on it, whipped off his fire clothes, and flung them out into the water. When he stripped himself, they saw that there was hair on him from the sole of his foot to the top of his head, as long as a goat's beard. He was not long alone. The black boar came to him from the bottom of the lake, and they began romping and dancing on the rock. Then the bishop inquired what place did the rogue come from, and the father superior said that he came a month ago from the north, and that he had a friar's dress on him when he came, and that he asked no account from him of what brought him to this place. You are too blind to be a superior, said the bishop, since you do not recognize a devil from a friar. When the bishop was talking, the eyes of everyone present were on him, and they did not feel till the black boar came behind them and the rogue that had been a friar riding on him. Seize the villain! Seize him! says the bishop. You didn't seize me yourself, says the villain, when I was your pet hound, and when you were giving me the meat that you would not give to the poor people who were weak with hunger. I thank you for it, and I'll have a hot corner for you when you leave this world. Some of them were afraid, but more of them made an attempt to catch the black boar and its rider. But they went into the lake, sat on the rock, and began screaming so loud that they made the bishop and the friars deaf, so that they could not hear one word from one another, and they remained so during their life, and that is the reason they were called the deaf friars. And from that day to this, the old saying is in the mouth of the people, You are as deaf as a friar of Ular. The black boar gave no rest to the friars, either by night or day. He himself, and the rogue of a companion that he had, were persecuting them in many a way, and neither they themselves nor the bishop were able to destroy or banish them. 
At last they were determining on giving up the place altogether, but the bishop said to them to have patience, till he would take counsel with St. Gerald, the patron saint of Mayo. The bishop went to the saint, and told him the story from beginning to end. That sorrowful occurrence did not take place in my county, said the saint, and I do not wish to have any hand in it. At this time, St. Gerald was only a higher priest in Tyrrell, but anything he took in hand succeeded with him, for he was a saint on earth from his youth. He told the bishop he would be in her alarm at the end of a week, and that he would make an attempt to banish the evil spirit. The bishop returned and told the friars what Gerald had said, and that message gave them great courage. They spent that week saying prayers, but the end of the week came, and another week went by, and St. Gerald did not come, for, not as is thought, does it happen. Gerald was struck with illness, as it was fated for him, and he could not come. One night the friars had a dream, and it was not one man alone who had it, but every man in the house. In the dream each man saw a woman clothed in white linen, and she said to them that it was not in the power of any man living to banish the evil spirit, except a piper named Dano O'Grady, who is living at Tavram. A man who did more good, says she, on this world than all the priests and friars in the country. On the morning of the next day, after the matin prayers, the superior said, I was dreaming, friars, last night, about the evil spirit of the lake, and there was a ghost or an angel present who said to me that it was not in the power of any man living to banish the evil spirit, except of a piper whose name was Dano O'Grady, who is living at Tavron, a man who did more good in this world than all the priests and friars in the country. I had the same dream too, says every man of them. It is against our faith to believe in dreams, says the superior, but this was more than a dream. I saw an angel beside my bed clothed in white linen. Indeed, I saw the same thing, says every man of them. It was a messenger from God who was in it, said the superior, and with that he desired two friars to go for the piper. They went to Tavron to look for him, and they found him in a drinking house half drunk. They asked him to come with them to the superior of the friars at Erlar. I'll not go one foot out of this place till I get my pay, says the piper. I was at a wedding last night, and I was not paid yet. Take our word that you will be paid, said the friars. I won't take any man's word for it. Money down, or I'll stop where I am. There was no use in talk or flattery. They had to return home again without the piper. They told their story to the superior, and he gave them money to go back for the piper. They went to Tavron again, gave the money to the piper, and asked him to come with them. Wait till I drink another noggin. I can't play hearty music till I have my enough drunk. We won't ask you to play music. It's another business we have for you. O'Grady drank a couple of naggins, put the pipes under his oxter armpit, and said, I'm ready to go with ye now. Leave the pipes behind you, said the friars. You won't want them. I wouldn't leave my pipes behind me if it was to heaven I was going, says the piper. When the piper came into the presence of the superior, the superior began examining him about the good works he had done during his life. I never did any good work during my life that I have remembrance of, said the piper. Did you give any alms during your life, said the superior? Indeed, I remember now that I did give a tenpenny piece to a daughter of Mary O'Donnell's one night. She was in great want of the tenpenny piece, and she was going to sell herself to get it when I gave it to her. After a little while, she thought about the mortal sin she was going to commit. She gave up the world and its temptations and went into a convent, and... People say that she passed a pious life. She died about seven years ago, and I heard that there were angels playing melodious music in the room when she was dying. It's a pity I wasn't listening to them. Fred had the tune now. Well, said the superior, there is an evil spirit in the lake outside that's persecuting us day and night, and we had a revelation from an angel who came to us in a dream that there was not a man alive able to banish the evil spirit but you. 
A male angel or female, says the piper. It was a woman we saw, says the superior. She was dressed in white linen. Then I'll bet you five ten penny pieces that it was Mary O'Donnell's daughter was in it, says the piper. It is not lawful for us to bet, says the superior, but if you banish the evil spirit of the lake, you will get twenty ten penny pieces. Give me a couple of naggins of good whiskey to give me courage, says the piper. There is not a drop of spirits in the house, says the superior. You know that we don't taste it at all. Unless you give me a drop to drink, says the piper, go and do the work yourself. They had to send for a couple of naggins, and when the piper drank it, he said that he was ready, and asked them to show him the evil spirit. They went to the brink of the lake, and they told him that the evil spirit used to come on to the rock every time that they struck the bell to announce the angel's welcome. Angelical salutation. Go and strike it now, says the piper. The friars went and began to strike the bell, and it was not long till the black boar and its rider came swimming to the rock. When they got up on the rock, the boar let out a loud screech, and the rogue began dancing. The piper looked at them and said, Wait till I give ye music. With that, he squeezed on his pipes and began playing, and on the moment the black boar and its rider leapt into the lake and made for the piper. He was thinking of running away when a great white dove came out of the sky above the boar and its rider, shot lightning down on top of them, and killed them. The waves drew them up on the brink of the lake, and the piper went and told the superior and the friars that the evil spirit of the lake and its rider were dead on the shore. They all came out, and when they saw that their enemies were dead, they uttered three shouts for excess of joy. They did not know, then, what they would do with the corpses. They gave forty tenpenny pieces to the piper, and told him to throw the bodies into a hole far from the house. The piper got a lot of tinkers, who were going the way, and gave them ten tenpenny pieces to throw the corpse into a deep hole in a shaking scraw a mile from the house of the friars. They took up the corpses, the piper walked out before them playing music, and they never stopped till they cast the bodies into the hole, and the shaking scraw closed over them and nobody ever saw them since. The whole of the black boar is to be seen still. The piper and the tinkers went to the public house, and they were drinking till they were drunk. Then they began fighting, and you may be certain that the piper did not come out of Ular with a whole skin. The friars built up the walls and the roof of the house, and passed prosperous years in it, until the accursed foreigners came who banished the friars, and threw down the greater part of the house to the ground. The piper died a happy death, and it was the opinion of the people that he went to heaven, and that it may be so with us all. End of 18